but very, very dangerous. If you spotty sense, you know, I was like, oh, something's off. And I'm just like, man, I'm waiting to hear something, you know. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the seventh episode of the War Cry Podcast. I am your host, Yehola Tiger, a.k.a. the One Man Band. Just hanging out. You know, it's the, a couple of days before Christmas, and this is coming out Friday at 8, at 8 p.m. And, uh, you know, just kind of keeping it with the, I guess you could say, what would I say, holiday spirit. We're going to be talking about Christmas entities and Christmas beings. Um and different things like that, and kind of all over the place. I know, you know, everyone wants to talk about Krampus, which we'll talk about Krampus a little bit, you know, and maybe, so you know, make share a story or two um, that I've heard, or, you know, you just never know. You just never truly know with this podcast. But before we do, um, some things that's I kind of got on my mind. So over the, like, the last, I'm on, I'm currently on vacation, allegedly, allegedly. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> so, last week I had started watching the new Casey Anthony documentary on Peacock. And I am not a huge fan, you know, of that case. Like, I never, I, I remember watching it, like, like, throughout the day. And I remember Top Mom, that's what Nancy Grace called her. And, but I never truly knew the, the story, like what happened. Like I never truly like, you know, the 30 days, you know, thing. And like, you know, she did report her daughter missing for 30 days. And so I just, I'm kind of almost taken aback by some of the stuff that people were like the media. Um, people were comparing it to OJ, comparing it to Michael Jackson in his court cases and trials. Um, no, by the way, no one is beating out O.J. Simpson. No one is beating out O.J. Simpson. I'm going to tell you guys this right now. The glove, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. That is like a legendary line that I use still in my daily life. And I wouldn't even, I don't even think I was even alive. But anyways, you know, so the, the Casey Anthony case to me is just so fascinating to see how, you know, back then you know, what the dorms were and what, like, people said about people and, you know, things like that. But then also, too, you kind of fast forward to now and people, the same people that are saying the things they said back then are saying the exact opposite of what they said back then. And so it's just kind of interesting to me, you know, like, I didn't know that, you know, I guess, I, you know, like I said, I don't know, you know, I know some people are probably going to be like, dang, you're going to be defending her like that. But I don't know what happened. I truly don't know. You know, I was really sitting there trying to, like, kind of clip things together and really trying to, you know, me and Betsy were really going hard and discussing it and really trying to, like, piece it together because the way the documentary shoots out, it does do it in chronological order, but they do it in a way that's kind of almost confusing. And so, as you guys know, Casey Anthony uh, was put on trial for, uh, for killing her daughter. Uh, Kaylee and basically how that you know the the daughter went missing and then Casey Anthony didn't call the police for 31 days 
And then finally she called the police and they found evidence of a decaying body and they found, you know, they found all this evidence on her, um, the computer searches, all this stuff. And, and then they found her body, you know, later on, um, like 90 days after. <clears throat> but um, I just find it so interesting how, you, you know, you have multiple layers of lying. Like, I don't understand. I, I can understand lying at, like, a surface level. Like, hey, did you eat my M&Ms? And you ate the M&Ms, but you tell them no. But then, like, there's a deeper level than that. There's, like, multiple layer lies that Casey told. Like, the the fact that she was, um, you know, that she had a uh, a nanny called, you know, Franny or whatever it is or whatever her nanny. Basically, you know, went to a, a friend's house. Basically, a friend's house that she was at. And she was saying that she had a nanny that lived here, but the nanny never lived there. And then she said that she worked at Universal Studios, um, but she didn't work there. Or she worked there previously. And I like it in the document that she actually explains why she said those things and why she lied. Because I know everyone and their mama, if you got pulled over and the cop goes, hey, you were speeding, and you go, what? No, I wasn't. Like, everyone's done that. Like, you can, you, you can put on your, your saint, uh, you know, your, uh, your halo and all that stuff later, but you can go ahead and admit that to yourself now. You've, everyone's done that. And so I can understand that a little bit. But one thing, too, that was kind of really crazy is the abuse allegations she brought up against her dad and her brother. And her brother kind of really didn't even kind of say, oh, I didn't do that. You know, he didn't really kind of deny it. Well, I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Like, okay, maybe there is some credence to that. And that creates, you know, this over here. And But, you know, there's a lot of things that that correlate with her dad and her. And... That's, to me, I think the, the ulti- ultimate problem with this whole case is I think Kaylee probably drowned in the pool because allegedly uh, in the documentary, I'll spoil it for you here now, but basically Kaylee uh, or Casey found uh, was so sh- like kind of shook that her daughter was wet. Her, her, allegedly her dad had Kaylee in his arms and gave her to, to Casey and she was cold and wet. So that's kind of one of the things that I kind of think, you know, she might have drowned. But then they're like the, the allegation, abuse allegations um, that she had against her father. She basically said her father would, would press a pillow against her face and almost knock her out, almost, or knock her out. And that's, you know, that's another theory that was said on that documentary, too, as well. So I don't know, you know, what truly happened. That To me, it's just so f- kind of fascinating to see you know, that 10 years now, like 10 years later, exactly 10 years later, 11 years, whatever it is, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how like the court of public opinion is still out strong, but then some people also kind of believe her too. So I don't know, it's up for your guys' you know, interpretation, but that's, um, that's on Peacock. Um, another true crime, you know, that I watched, you know, that, you know, we watched, uh, I think it was two nights ago and it was basically about, and it's on Netflix, and I can't don't search or something. It's it's about basically someone who was calling into McDonald's, Taco Bell, Bueno, Arby's, all these fast food chains, and basically acting as a police officer and telling people to get butt naked. And people were doing it; they were getting butt naked. And so I just you know that's another one I kind of watched, and it's sad, man. Like I remember because I in like 
I'm going to reveal this information about me, but I used to work at McDonald's back when I was 16 years old, and I had some crazy managers. Like, I had some truly crazy managers who would be like, hey, I need you to go do this, this, and this. And you're like, Dana, I'm like, you know, my, like, I'm in my McDonald's uniform, and you have me doing this. But, like, I can see that. Like, I, I literally can see why people were like, the, these younger people. So, essentially, the first one that they talked about was this girl. She was about 18 years old, and this, man, uh, this manager... So she gets, they get the call and the manager says, hey, one of your employees is stealing. She looks like this. Well, basically the only girl in the, in the place that looked like that was this 18-year-old girl. So then they proceed to do this strip search and she got completely butt naked and a bunch of crazy stuff happening. And I can just see my, I can like almost not put myself in that, that situation, but also kind of see myself as like, wow, like. You, some people will literally listen to authority at any point, no matter how weird and how strange it is. People will do that, and I just got, I just got a good kick out of that, especially like the first. I, I ain't gonna lie, I died laughing because it's almost unbelievable that someone say, "Hey, you need like this is the police. You need to get butt naked, and we need to see if there's any money." And I'm like in my head, I'm like dying. I'm like laughing, but it's like sad, but. That's another one. It's on Netflix. It just came out. It's like Don't Search Something. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But, you know, that's kind of the two things that had really kind of been st- sticking in my mind about, I guess, really my watching habits. I'm a, I'm a huge true true crime guy. And so that's just two things that I thought was pretty interesting that you guys should go check out. I'm an, I'm an audio book guy, too. And there's a, 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 a book that I just got done listening to, and it was called Apocalypse 7. If you like a kind of an alien type of weird, like, time travel type book um that's a book for you but you guys know how i like to you know just transition i'm just getting right to it so like i said guys today we're going to be talking about a little you know some spiritual uh christmas beings um and kind of the legends and histories and and things like that and a lot of this stuff is usually is over kind of in eastern europe um you do have some of the nordic tribes and legends um and then you also obviously have, uh, you know, the legendary, the most legendary of them all in Krampus. And that's can be, you know, that can even be here in America too as well. And I know, you know, there are some, you know, different things that, you know, that we can associate with Christmas and, and, and being kind of creepy. But I'm going to start off with one of the oldest. Um, and so if you guys out there have heard of the Yule Lads, um, and that's essentially, you guys are like, you're like, Snow White, essentially. Um, basically, it's 13 Icelandic trolls. This is coming out of Iceland. Um, and they all have their different personalities, much like Snow White. Um, and I cannot pronounce the actual, you know, I, I'm going to. And you guys are probably like, dang, he's killing that. But Yo, uh, Yo Lasovinar, or the Yule Lads. Um, so they have their own distinct personalities, and in ancient times, they stole things and they caused trouble around Christmas time. Um, they were usually used to scare kids uh, into behaving. And now, there's another kind of being that I'll talk about later on. It'll be the Yule Cat um, that they're associated with them. And then there's the uh, the Mother. Um, I can't pronounce that name either, but uh, but they're all associated together. Um But um, usually, most times, like in, Nor- in like this is like I said, based in Iceland, 
Norwegian, places like that. But basically, yeah, like I said, basically they they caused a lot of mischief and really, you know, was meant to scare kids to get them to act right. Um, the next part, like I said, I mentioned just a second ago about the Yule Cat. Um, now, this was kind of interesting. To me, I love, you know, a good kind of, uh, I guess you'd say like a beast or a, a creature. But basically, the Yule Cat, or they call it another name for it here, is Christmas Cat, um, is, is not really based on nice, you know, how most of these kind of beings are it's mainly either they're eat like they're you know good or good or evil and they're you know trying to scare kids this cat no it'll eat you um according to legend so basically how the tradition goes the isolated tradition goes is that they're uh in those who are finished with their work on time receive new clothes uh, for christmas while those who are lazy did not so basically to encourage kids to work hard parents told the tale of the yule cat um saying that basically if those kids were lazy they didn't uh and they didn't get at least one new item for christmas these kids would be sacrificed to yule cat imagine you know that's kind of like us indians where we kind of say you know oh if you go out there lp gonna get you or you know you go outside after dark you know bigfoot will get you or you don't go out in them woods at night you know that's kind of similar but dang to say they get eat, eat up like that <laughs> But basically, they would say if the kid didn't work hard, they you know basically got sacrificed to the Yule Cat, which also you know, and it usually meant you know for chores, not like actual like work work. Um, but there's a poem written about this cat that suggests that the children that would help out and they were like kind of needy, you know, really needed some things, um, you know, could put in extra time, um, and basically receive you know a, a basically a pardon from the yule cat um but like i said that also goes into like you know there's another kind of thing that kind of shoots off to that is basically a, a five hour five day work week and that's kind of where that kind of came in was a, a five day work week and which is kind of weird that this you know christmas tale will lead into like a five day work week you know i guess um you know and and I guess if a kid worked overtime, they basically got a four-day work week. So that's kind of interesting, too, as well, off, off that. Um, but kind of connecting all those those two beings together is basically, her name is Grilla. And that's the mother of of the Yule Lads and the Yule Cat. And it's the, the one that protects the Yule Cat. Um, she's basically described as an ogre. Um, basically kidnaps cooks and eats children who don't obey their parents. To me, that also kind of think of Hansel and Gretel, too, as well. Um, that's a German uh, kind of legend. Um, but she came, became associated with Christmas back like in the 19th, or I'm sorry, in the 17th century, um, where she was basically assigned the mother of the Yule Lads um, in, in legend. But, but according to the actual traditional legend of, you know, of Grilla, and I'm, I, I am totally butchering that. I apologize. Um, but according to legend, Grilla had three different husbands and 72 children. Imagine trying to live in a two-bedroom apartment with 72 kids. I I got one, and I'm like, dang. <laughs> like, all right, is it bedtime yet? Is it nap time? <laughs> I'm out here fighting for my life. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but basically, these, these 72 kids... 
um, were not being looked out after. And, you know, they caused trouble ranging from just basic mischief, harmless fun, to basically murder. Um, and the Yule Cat lived with the mother, Grilla. Um, and, you know, basically this ogress, I guess or you call it, like Shrek, but a girl, Fiona, <laughs> is such a troublemaker that they uh, basically blamed the eruption of that volcano over there on her. The saying that she was mad at, you know, everybody and, and basically caused that volcano. So I just find that super interesting, you know, how, like I look at, like I said, native tribes and we have all these different superstitions like, you know, not supposed to eat in the dark or not supposed to be, um, you know, not supposed to leave your food out overnight without it being covered or, or stored away or, um, I'm just trying to think of some, um, like I say, playing out not at night or, uh, you know, answering the door at night. You know, there's all these different, or, you know, answering the door after a knock. You know, so there's all these different legends, you know, that I, I just find so interesting, especially, you know, when it comes to that. But um, one kind of a legend, you know, that kind of makes me you know, really think about, um, and this is kind of goes back to kind of Christmas and, and Santa Claus and, and Krampus is um, in Germany and Austria. They had this witch. His name was Fram Perchu, uh, who would hand out uh, rewards and punishments during the twelve days of Christmas, which is the twenty fifth through uh, January sixth. And she is best known for her gruesome punishment of sinfulness, uh, which was what she does is she rips out your internal organs and replaces them with garbage. Um, the ugly image of uh, Perchu um, shows up in Christmas in Austria uh, a lot of times. And it's somewhat like Krampus. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a difference with that, you know, especially when it comes to you know, describing this being um, in this tradition. But Perchu's story um, is thought to, to be descended from the legendary alpine goddess of nature. Um, basically, who tends the forest most years and deals with human beings only during Christmas. In modern ce celebrations, uh, Perchita, um, I'm pronouncing this all wrong too as well, um, may show up during uh, the Alpine Festival, which is just right before Lent. Um, you know, they're having kind of a connection with an Italian uh, Christmas being. Called so the Italian uh, Christmas being or witch, uh, La Befana, uh, but, it's, but she really isn't a monster. She's ugly, but she's a good witch who leaves presents. So that's kind of like a yin and yang. Um, I was trying to pronounce that, man. I was man. They're gonna put me in the Hall of Fame for the lack of being able to pronounce different like <laughs> non-English words, man. I'm getting I'm getting eat up right now. I'm getting beat up like like uh, Muhammad Ali with any. But I'm gonna make a comeback. I'm gonna I'm pronounce one of these right. But basically, yeah, but basically those two are kind of go hand in hand. Um, one is Italian, but, you know, the witch, uh, Fra, is a good and evil type being a witch. And so, you know, that's kind of interesting that those are kind of, those are kind of connected with that. And, uh, like I said, I'm running through these kind of quick and I'm like 10 minutes in, I guess 20 minutes in, whatever, however long I've been going. But the, the next one. Um, that, you know, like I said, is this is actually, it's kind of funny. Bell's nickel was actually kind of, was, a 
impersonated in the office. Dwight did an impersonation impersonation um, of this German uh, this German being an entity. But basically, it's a southwestern German lore who's traveled to the United States um, and survives in Pennsylvania Dutch custom. He comes to children sometime before Christmas, wearing tattered old clothes, raggedy fur. Um, he carries a switch to frighten the children and candy to reward the kids for good behavior. In modern visits, the switch is only used for noise and to warn the uh, and to warn the children um, they still have time to be good before Christmas. And then all the children get candy if they're polite about it, you know. But basically, it comes from that word "belsnickel," which is "belsen," which means to wallop. Dang, and nickel for Saint Nicholas. So that's pretty cool. And so this is Hans, uh, Hans Trap is um, is kind of an anti-Santa being who hands out punishment to bad children um, in certain kind of parts of France. And the legend says that the trap was actually a real man, and he was greedy, evil, uh, and rich. And that kind of, you know, like I said, that kind of comes over here to uh, Scrooge. Basically, he worshipped Satan, Satan, golly, who worshipped Satan and was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. He was exiled into the forest where he preyed upon children disguised as as a scarecrow with straw jutting from his clothing. He was about to eat one boy he captured, and then he was struck by lightning and killed. A a punishment from God. Still, he does visit young children before Christmas dressed as a scarecrow to scare them into good behavior. Man, that's pretty creepy. Hey, I mean, you know, just later. I remember, you know, and that's kind of telling some Christmas, you know, kind of a Christmas story. But I remember being a kid and, you know, we'd be looking outside because it gets dark early. And, man, as soon as that sun go down, like, God, it's about time to go to bed. You know, I got to make sure, you know, you know. Get the nice and rested for Santa. You know, he'd be trying to get in bed at like 5.30. (laughs) And imagine if you're trying to get in bed and it just gets dark, you know, dark outside and you look and somebody's standing outside your window and you're making sure you're a good kid. That's pretty, that's pretty wicked. But um, like I said, there's all these different types of uh, kind of Eastern, European, you got some in France, Italy. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of crazy the connection that it has to us here now. Um, I think it's, you know, kind of interesting how our stories have kind of been, you know, how those stories have kind of been digested and made into something nice and, you know, not as not as, uh, not as evil and not as scary. But uh, one thing, too, that, uh, you know, the holidays bring up, everyone you know, kind of gets all, you know, nice, you know, and everybody's ready for Santa. The ultimate and the most well-known of these kind of evil, anti-Santa Claus beings is Krampus. Basically, as a tool to encourage good behavior in children, um, Santa serves a carrot. Krampus is the stick. Krampus is the anti-Santa Claus, and he may look like a devil or a wild alpine beast. Depending on the region, materials... Um, that are available for Krampus's costume and or what he wears. Krampus is also kind of known to have basically kind of dead or rotting flesh, um, and he also has these really really long claws, kind of almost like rake like hands. Um, he has horns like a goat, and he's also said to be able to have uh, basically almost the outfit like you know how we envision Santa Claus. 
having is the red and kind of a tattered clothing like that. Um, also, too, he's also known in some aspects as to having chains. Like he, you know, was being chained up all year and then he broke loose just for one night. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, different ways to describe um, him. Some people also say he's hairy, black or brown hair, uh, cloven hooves. Now, I always think, you know, of that when, you know, people always hear DW or, you know, things like that. But, you know, these these kind of pan or two, like Goatman. Um, but basically he symbolizes the devil, um, essentially, is what it comes down to. Um, and so those are just kind of, you know, kind of interesting appearances. Krampus night is also celebrated December 5th, the eve of St. Nicholas day in Austria and other parts of Europe, uh, public celebrations that night. It may have many, many, many Krampus outfits. One thing too, that I was doing some research for this. I always thought it was kind of funny that dang, like, you know, imagine, you know, you always kind of see, I've seen it here in, in, uh, in Tulsa, but you know, you kind of see a drunk Santa Claus <laughs> kind of, you know, just sauced out. Like I think we saw one yesterday. He was basically had a little knapsack and he could tell he was a little sauced out kind of walking down the road <laughs> in the middle of the day, making sure, making sure all those presents get to your kids. <laughs> but basically, you know, in these traditions that they have over there, they have these like festivals. And I've, as I mentioned before, they'll have like a lot of people out in the streets but like, I guess it's turned into just like some type of drinking game. So now on, the, on that night, it's like known in multiple cities or in that Europe area and Eastern Europe and Austria and places like that, of to be like a drunken night, to where you like you fight, you basically commit crime, guys, this Krampus. And so I just find that kind of kind of interesting to, you know, kind of share some of that information. Um, you know, the holidays for me. Are a little bit weird now um and you know you as you lose relatives and i know everybody can kind of can kind of uh feel this way but as you lose relatives and people who mean a lot to you it just sometimes it doesn't feel like it should you know it doesn't feel like how it used to be and i think one thing that i'm i'm trying to battle especially having my little girl is is i'm trying to not it's trying to push forward basically i'm trying to do things like you know my parents did for me and you know my grandparents did for me and so i try to pull forward and i know sometimes it can be hard especially around holidays and and you know sometimes you know if anybody out there is battling with falling off the wagon you know this is usually a time that happens because you like i said you know things happen you know you lose family members and so you know, I, I just, you know, that's kind of what my thing is, is that I do is I'm just trying to push forward. I'm just trying to keep going, you know, and that's kind of all we can really do is, you know, is keep moving forward. Um, but that's the episode, guys. I know, you know, it's kind of, you know, I was butching up, <laughs> butching up words and dang, I was really doing them crazy. But I appreciate you listening in, guys. Um, once again. You can find me on on Facebook, Yehola Tiger. Um, you can find me on TikTok. Oh, oh, TikTok announcement. As of right now, we're almost at a thousand followers on TikTok, which is amazing. Um, I've been posting a lot of um, old school Cherokee Nation content on there that's kind of got lost. Um, you know, I, I got uh, I posted that uh, you guys saw it if you watched YouTube on the last episode. I sh- 
I actually posted the some of the stuff that Derek had sent, Derek Morris had sent to me, uh, and, and to us guys over at the Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation. Um, so go check that out, guys. You know, there's a lot of people have been really liking that old uh, Cherokee throwback uh, videos I've been posting. So, like I said, one man band on TikTok or one man band nine one eight on TikTok. Go go check it out. Go be that thousand follower. No, but. Uh, we're almost at a thousand followers on there. Um, I mentioned on Facebook earlier that you know the podcast we're almost we're over 800 views, listen plays, all that stuff. You know we're almost at a thousand. That's a that's amazing to me. I just never you know I never thought you know anybody would be sitting here listening to me. But you know I had to always kind of give a little bit of a shout out to Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation and, and our podcast over there because you know I, I always could talk. I could always tell you a story. I could always you know, hold a conversation with you, but. You know, I think it kind of took me to the next level with doing that and and kind of jump starting this podcast. Um, I know we're a little bit we're on a little bit of a hiatus with that podcast. We're going to actually be recording next week, um, the twenty seventh. So that'll be out um, that next following week, I believe. But um, we'll be talking about some things that happened over the course of the you know of, of our hiatus. And I think I know Chris has mentioned wanting to talk about some of his investigations that he's been on because I know he's been around. So you know. We've been like we'll be back and we'll be back stronger than ever. It's just you know we took a little bit of a break because of the holidays, but I'm rocking and rolling with this podcast, and I appreciate you guys listening. And um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I think that's it. But uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you you like to say, and I'll catch you on the next one.